At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. And Wes, I say this each and every week, and I think if you're really trying to get into this space and you're trying to make a profit each and every week, it's one of the more worthwhile exercises you can do on a Tuesday as you look ahead to the weekend games in the NFL, and that is bet now or bet later. And the object of this exercise is for you, the wager out there, to try to find the very best number and value and anticipate where those line moves may go. Now, it was really hard to do that in the advent of COVID football. It feels like we're getting past that, so mm-hmm. it's getting back to, oh, yes, there's some injuries that you have to certainly worry about, and, and maybe that could play into your handicapping as the week goes on. But we're getting back to where we're really trying to anticipate where we think the money might come in to move these numbers. So let's start off with the first game of the board, and that is Cincinnati against Tennessee. And this opened up about two and a half. So, again, if you saw that number open, you might, oh, I love the, the Titans in this spot. You better have gotten it then. Now it's up to three and a half here. So let's say you're a backer of the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Would you bet it now or bet it later? I think you could probably bet it now. And I, I don't think that this number is going to go very much northwards. I, I, I mean, maybe a C4. I kind of doubt it. Uh, three and a half. I think – once you get the hook, you will see some value shoppers and just some advantage players just going ahead and taking the Bengals here because we know, and we've talked about it, I know, ad nauseum, but it bears repeating that Tennessee is the worst DVOA team overall for a number one seed since 1985. So, there's a lot of people in the market that don't have a ton of respect for this Tennessee team. I mean, they are not getting the benefit of the doubt like some of these other favorites mm-hmm. would be. And if you really look at their profiles, they are relatively similar uh, because you look at, uh, you know, how I compare Cincinnati, you know, they're kind of, when you look at this, their raw numbers and their raw data, they're very comparable to the Raiders. And look, that game came down to the final play. Eventually uh, Derek Hart throws it short of the end zone and it's picked off anyway, but, that did come down to the final play in Tennessee. I think you kind of look at them and they compare a lot to the Cleveland Browns yeah. who didn't make the playoffs. So, you know, when, when you look at these teams, both of these teams did go four and two against teams that eventually made the playoffs, but those records are very different. Uh, if the Colts and the chargers had won in week 18, which they were both favored to do on the road, 
And Titans would have been six and two against playoff teams with wins over the Chiefs, Rams, and Colts, and the Bengals would have been one and three. But the Bengals, I think, kind of did pad their record with wins over the Raiders and wins over the Steelers and then the Titans. Now that the Colts failed to make the playoffs and choked down there in Jacksonville, quite frankly, in week 18, those wins don't look as good when they really should look better because I think most people thought that, you know, some of these teams that kind of skated into the playoffs. And look, they got in, and you don't apologize for that. But I think most people kind of thought, and I even said it, maybe because I'm a bitter Colts fan, I said, you know, damn it, Colts, you know, you forced us to watch this Steeler team in primetime get absolutely laid out on Sunday Night Football. If you just would have went to Jacksonville and, take care of business. and won, it would have been you in the playoffs, and we might have had a, be- a better matchup. Uh, you know, when you're kind of looking at this game, you look at, okay, who's the best unit on the field and I think it's Tennessee's defense Uh, they're very good against the run they're eighth and weighted DVOA the Bengals you know they're they're committing to the run but even though uh, uh, Mixon had 1200 yards you look at their deeper into their numbers the Bengals are kind of mediocre really running against the ball Burrow has been very good at the passing attack but I think the Bengals actually need to pass more yeah to be honest with you and I think that's what kept the Raiders in the game the fact that they didn't let Burrow kind of cook a little bit when he was Cincinnati played the softer schedule here. So that's why they're a little bit of an unknown commodity. And I think that's why Tennessee, even though you had a lot of people that wanted to go against them, I think that's why you're seeing three and a half and maybe the Derrick Henry thing. Yeah. Could be certainly part of it. I don't think it's that much responsible for the move, but he's back and rested. You have a healthy A.G. Brown and Julio Jones where you haven't really had them together all season long. With Henry back, they were sixth in rush DVOA. They were 24th without him. And not only what he can produce on the ground with Derrick Henry, he does open up the play action. So that Ryan Tannehill is a very good play action passer, so that makes that makes it easier for them. I think Cincinnati is going to struggle to cover these receivers, and I do lean Tennessee. Here. All right, and the other thing I look at here, and tell me if you think this is this is off in my thinking. I, to me, if I want to play the under, I'm going to play it now at 47. You mentioned Derrick Henry coming back. Turnovers are a key. If Tennessee doesn't turn it over, they can ball control you, right, with those big receivers and really try to move the clock there with Derrick Henry and those receivers. Yes, Cincinnati has the better offense in this one, but i got to think that Mike Vrabel, he knows that, mm-hmm. and he's going to try to figure out a way to slow them down offensively and try to keep, keep a play keep away and limit possessions. If you like the under like I do, would you bet it now? Because i got to think this number comes down. Yeah, I think you would think so. Uh, what, what is it, currently 46 and a half? Actually, mm-hmm. there's some 47 out there. I think you will start to see some money come in on the under now that it's reached 47 because I'm already seeing a couple 46 and a halves in the market, including right here at BetMGM. I believe that is the market low. So I ain't probably betting the under now. I don't think it's going up to 48. Let's get to the other Saturday night game. This is San Francisco against Green Bay. And the amazing thing thing about the schedule, and I get it, Super Wild Card Weekend, and really people don't think about it in this, these terms, but both the Rams and the Niners are actually playing on short weeks now, which is kind of incredible that mm-hmm. we've had that scheduling snafu in the postseason. But it could be significant for the Niners, and we just talked about it with Will Hill. They've got some real issues injury-wise with Jimmy G and with Nick Bosa and Fred Warner. I mean, these are big-time players for the Niners, and they get one less day of rest Mm -hmm. against a team that is ultra-rested in the Packers and might get some defensive starters back for this game. You see where it opened, and you see where it is now. 
at five and a half for the for the uh, Packers. Would you bet it now or bet it later if you're a Niners back? I'd probably bet it now. I don't know. I think there's going to be enough resistance in the market, even if all those things come through and Green Bay gets a couple guys back and the 49ers. Uh, I, I think Warner's going to go, but Bosa's got to be cleared, even if they're missing one of those guys. I still think that there's enough resistance here on the 49ers just simply because of the matchup. Of course, we remember they met earlier in the season, 30-28. to 28. Remember uh, the 49ers scored late, and then Rodgers, I think, had 37 seconds and no timeouts and still got him down yeah. there to drive down for Mason Crosby to kick a field goal. And Crosby's missed uh, quite a few of those this year, but he did make that one for the game winner. We know what the 49ers, I think, want to do here is they want to run the football and control the ball, long sustained drives. We know Green Bay 28th against the run in terms of DVOA on defense and also 28th in DVOA against opposing tight ends. So George Kittle, who did not really have a big game Sunday against Dallas, he's going to, I think, have a bigger one here. I think that this is maybe a little bit of a better matchup. Uh, I think the 49ers are just kind of the bad matchup for Green Bay against a team that's struggling to stop the run. Look, Green Bay, you got to think, is going to get points, and you got to think Rodgers is going to be Rodgers. He's going to be the MVP standard that he has been this year. We know the 49ers' weak spot is the secondary. They've had injuries back there. They've had lack of depth. They are uh, second to last against opposing uh, wide receiver ones, Mm -hmm. and Devontae Adams certainly fits that description. 88 yards a game allowed. We know they ranked first in the league in terms of defensive holdings slash pass interference calls. So you got to think Rodgers is going to get some down the field. But the defense has gotten better over the course of the season. They have been first against the run in the final eight weeks of the season. So Green Bay is going to struggle, I think, Jones and those guys to run the ball against the 49ers. Can they hold their own in the passing game? I thought they did so against Dallas on Mm -hmm. Sunday. Now they They got up and got a lead on them. So, you know, I don't think Dallas really shredded them in the passing game at all. So maybe the 49ers can hold up a little better than we thought. So I would bet it now at the plus six. Yeah, I'm with you. Look, the Niners beat up the Cowboys both sides of the ball. They, they won that game at the line of scrimmage. Can they do it again in Green Bay? I think that'll be the key if you want to back the Niners. But probably to West's point, grab that six now if you're a San Francisco backer. Okay, I mentioned the Rams in a short week. I don't know if it's going to affect them as much as it may affect San Francisco. Niners could actually use that extra day of rest. The Rams now going from Monday to Sunday, going cross-country here to take on the Buccaneers. And right now, it's at three, the over-under at 48. If you're a Rams backer, would you wait and think you might be able to get this to three and a half, four? Yeah, I would wait. Right, right now, you're seeing some what I call week threes, where it's juiced through the underdog. So it's like minus three, minus the dollar five at BetMGM, which means you can take the three with the Rams. You got to lay 115. But, you know, I'll go back to what we talked to at the at the top of the show in the first hour. I think the Bucks are going to get more of the benefit of the doubt in the market than the Rams are going to get because, uh, you know, the Rams did beat the Bucks earlier in the season. Remember, I think it was I think it was week four when when they beat Tampa Bay or week three. Week three. Yeah, it was week three. That so that their one one of their wins over playoff teams is against Tampa Bay, but they're only three and five against playoff teams. And I think. I think it's almost like maybe the Rams, they're going to be perceived as well. Arizona just was bad last night, and and they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. So I think uh, this could go to three and a half. I think it's going to kind of dance around that number. It's going to be very similar, I think, to the 49ers-Cowboys. If you see three and a half pop, the advantage player is going to take the hook if they can get it. You know, I look at the total at 49, Wes, and I go, my inclination is under. But then I remember – 
These two run defenses can be really stout. Mm-hmm. We know how good the Bucks can be, right? And they almost got backdoored over against the Eagles uh, when you just have to throw the ball against the Bucks. I kind of think this game might go over. And, and to me, if I want to bet that, I might bet it now at 49. Do you think this number goes up or down? Uh, probably is going to go up. I could see it going to like 49 and a half. Yep. And, and the first game also did go over. Yeah, so I'm probably going to lean that way. If you're an over player in that one, you might want to scoop up that 49. Uh, very quickly, we're going to have Bob Fesco on in the next segment here from Kansas City. So we'll really break down this Chiefs and Bills game. But early inclination, it's at two, the Bills and KC. Do you think that line stays there? Would you bet it now or bet it later, depending on where you think the line's going? I think it's going to stay uh, right now. I, I think, look, uh, you can – right now the Bills are in that teaser range. We can tease it up through the three and the yep. seven. I think it's going to stick around here. The Bills were the most impressive team. They had they were averaging like 10 yards a play at one point, and this was deep into the second half against the Patriots. So I think the Bills being so impressive last weekend, they're going to have plenty of support. Yeah, I like your rationale there too as a teaser spot here for the Buffalo Bills. When we come back, we will talk to Bob Fesco. All things Kansas City, this showdown with the Bills. Can't wait to discuss. Come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to VEASAN.com slash podcast and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Coast to Coast Hoops, Long Shots, First Strike, and many more. They're all free and available now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds, one uh, half of the tandem of Long Shots, X1 Podcast. Uh, Wes, we're going to talk a little bit more NFL right now because we're going to talk to Bob Fesco, of course, here from Kansas City. Because when you look at this matchup here uh, between the Bills and the Chiefs, it feels like the AFC Championship mm-hmm. game. I know it's not the AFC title game, but it feels like it. So without further ado, let's get to Bob Fesco, host of Fesco in the Morning on 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City. Bob, it does have that feel, doesn't it, of championship uh, rematch. I know they played for the title last year in the AFC. Of course, Kansas City gets that when it goes on to the Super Bowl. But it is the divisional round. Is it a different feel, or does it feel like the AFC title game part two? 
No, it really does. I think it's the game that everybody kind of wanted for that AFC championship game, and, and we're not getting it for the championship game. We just happen to be getting it in the divisional round, but I think the winner of this game, uh, which will be the Chiefs, I'll just say that right from the start, <laughs> is going to go on to the Super Bowl and, and represent the AFC, and I, I just think this is the game that you know people have been kind of wanting for, for the better part of a year, and it, it may be the beginning of a new rivalry between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, like we saw with Peyton Manning and with Tom Brady, where every year you just assume those two guys are going to meet at some point in the playoffs. Bob, uh, looking at the recent history here, of course, the Chiefs did sweep at the season series, did win in the AFC title game last year, and then Buffalo got them in week five. But this feels, and I think the spread indicates that at minus two for the Kansas City Chiefs, like this really feels like a matchup where you could make an argument for both sides that you don't know who is going to win. What do you think is going to be different this time for Kansas City that wasn't so in week five where Buffalo triumphed 38-20? Yeah, I think they, they've changed so much on defense, and number one has been the addition of Melvin Ingram, and getting him for a six-round draft pick from the Pittsburgh Steelers has been the best in-season move I've seen this organization make maybe ever, and it allowed not only to have a defensive presence of a, of a superstar like Melvin Ingram on your field, but it also allowed Chris Jones to move back inside, and when he was playing outside at the beginning of the year, he just wasn't getting to the quarterback. He wasn't effective. It was like, oh my gosh, we totally made a mistake here, and then you get Melvin Ingram, who allows Chris Jones to move inside, and all of a sudden it's Chris Jones of old, and we're seeing the guy that everybody knew and loved, you know, for all those years in Kansas City, and he started dominating again. And so they didn't have Melvin Ingram then. And Chris Jones didn't even play in that game. He had a had a wrist injury. It was one of the few games that he sat out earlier in the year with that injury, and, and Frank Clark wasn't at 100%, you know, in that game either. So I just think defensively, they're completely different than they were the first time these two teams showed up. And also from an offensive standpoint, I think Patrick Mahomes is now a better quarterback than he was earlier in the year because he's finally gotten to the point where he's realized, okay, not every play has to be a 75-yard touchdown pass to Tyree Kill. I can do a five-yard dump off or a six-yard dump off. And that really wasn't part of his game, you know, when these two teams met up earlier in the year. Talking with Bob Fesco. Follow him on Twitter, at Bob Fesco. And, Bob, I'm so glad you guys brought up that first meeting because after that, you know how we do and how Twitter does. Well, the Bills had already won the AFC. At that point, Kansas City might miss the playoffs. And here we are. Kansas City is the two seed, and this game will be in Kansas City on uh, Sunday night. But, you know, we can talk about the running game. We can talk about the defenses. But it does feel like it's going to get down to Mahomes versus Allen. Do they view it that way in your eyes that, look, this is now to your point of the Brady-Manning comparison that we have to see who the best quarterback is. I think we all think it's still Mahomes, but Allen's going to go in there with that chip on his shoulder like, okay, don't forget about me. We did it once in Kansas City. We can do it again. Well, and I think you, you can forget a little bit about Josh Allen because his performance on, on Saturday, obviously outstanding, the best there's ever been. It was a perfect game for him. And then Patrick Mahomes is like, here, hold my beer. Watch what I'm going to do in this game. And they go uh, on a span of 10 minutes and 30 seconds and score five touchdowns. I mean, when Kansas City got the ball with, like, you know, 545 to go in the first half, they were down 7 nothing. They went into the locker room up 21-7. to They scored three touchdowns, boom, 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 just like that game, set, match. And so there may be a little showmanship in this one of each quarterback trying to outdo each other, but I think that's where you can kind of get into some trouble with that. You've got to rely on your talent around you, and you've got to rely on the other players you know, that, are, that are on your team. And Kansas City really has 
obviously, as we, we've known over the years, some really, really, really good weapons and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, but it's not just them. I mean, McCall Hardman stepped up big the other night. We saw great performances out of Jarek McKinnon. I mean, how about Demarcus Robinson? Nobody probably knew who that guy was, you know, before that game the other night. He stepped up and had a big night for the Chiefs. And so they, they get it from all different places on that field. And when you can have that many guys involved, I think they targeted nine different receivers and completed passes to eight different ones, including alignment. It's, it's hard to stop an offense like that. But you know what? Buffalo did the same thing on Saturday night. They got a fat guy touchdown, too. <laughs> Bob, uh, considering, obviously, the line from Sunday where the Chiefs were 12-and-a-half-point favorites, the result was not really that surprising that the Chiefs got a big win over the Steelers, who probably shouldn't have made the playoffs. But nevertheless, they got there because of the Indianapolis Colts faltering. But I digress. <laughs> uh, but what was kind of surprising to me was the Chiefs, look, they ran it effectively when they ran it, but they only ran it 22 times against the Pittsburgh uh, defense. That's their weakness is, is, is stopping the run. Do you expect that the Chiefs are going to run the ball a little bit more this Sunday, maybe than they did against Pittsburgh? Because we know what Buffalo did in week five. That was kind of the blueprint, print, right? Uh, go ahead and play the two high safeties and force the Chiefs to throw underneath. Do you think that the Chiefs are going to try to rely a little bit more on the running game come Sunday? I, I never think Andy Reid ever tries to rely on the run game for anything. He, even when he should, he never relies on that run game. But they've got injuries. I mean, their their first round draft pick from a couple of years ago, colossal bust, Clyde Edwards-Alaire can't seemingly ever stay healthy and get on the field, so he's Mr. Unreliable. And then Daryl Williams, who's been a really nice running back for them over the last couple of years, has this foot injury that he's kind of dealing with, and that's why he sat out most of the game you know, on Sunday, except for that whatever that trick play was with McCall Hardman at quarterback. Uh, Derek Gore is a guy that has had some you know, flashes of brilliance, but I, I really think the run game this weekend is, is going to be limited just based on bodies that you have out there. I think it's going to be Jarek McKinnon, and let's keep our fingers crossed here in Kansas the city, either Clyde Edwards or is healthy enough to put on some shoulder pads or that Daryl Williams can get out there and give you some solid minutes. Because if you have a, all those injuries to the running back spot, I, I just don't see how you can truly rely on that run. You may see a lot more screen passes and that kind of stuff that Andy likes to do. Talk with Bob Fesco, host of Fesco in the morning on 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City. And Bob, to that end, when you look at the total at 55, obviously the, the biggest total uh, on the board this weekend. And you know the way Andy Reid wants to call a game. You talk about the showmanship maybe for Josh Allen uh, against Patrick Mahomes. I'm sure Brian Dable wants to prove uh, that he's a head coach possibly in this league. It feels like a shootout or bust. Can you see any scenario where this game really is a low-scoring affair? Because to me, it's, it's hard for me mentally to get there. I don't know. We've kind of talked about that. I, I kind of feel like it's going to go one way or the other in this one. We're either going to see like a 55-50 type of game or something that's low scoring. I mean, both of these teams just went out and, and emptied their playbooks last week and scored a, a, a ton of points. I mean, it's like insane. Each team's in the 40s. You're like, what, what's going on here, right, with these with these scores? It's hard to repeat that type of offensive output, I think, you know, week to week, especially in the postseason. I, I, I don't know that each team is going to put up 40, but I would be very surprised if it's like a 17-10 final or a 22-13 final or you know something of that nature. I, I just feel like we're going to see points, but I don't know if we're going to see as many points as we did last week. 
And uh, and to your point, guys, in terms of the, the defenses, they both really improved. And yes. Bob has talked about the Chiefs defense, especially at home, where they were only giving up like 10 points a game until the Steelers got some cosmetic points there at the end. Uh, but Buffalo all of a sudden running the ball a little bit better. So I wonder, Bob, when you look at this Bills defense, uh, do you see them kind of doing, trying to do the same thing that they did in the first matchup and really giving the same looks and say, okay, uh, go ahead and uh, you know, chuck it underneath mm-hmm. and try to move the chains and have these long drives, kind of like what Denver tried to do in the regular season finale. Yeah, Denver seemingly has played the Chiefs well over the last couple of years. They've not found a way to win, but they they played them well. And I think when when you look at the Chiefs right now from an offensive standpoint, I don't think it's the Chiefs team of eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. And I think that's where where, where coaches, especially a guy like the like the the, the guy in in, in uh, Los Angeles, uh, Brendan Staley, who can't seemingly get out of his own way when he coaches <laughs> football games. I, I think you've got these coaches that still think this is the twenty eighteen, nineteen, and twenty Chiefs team where you have to go out out there and score them. I think that's that's the that's the losing mentality to have if you're approaching the Chiefs right now. You don't have to go out there and try to outscore them and, you know, flip the script and go for every fourth down and go for two. They're not putting up the points that they that they did in those years. You just have to make sure that you don't turn the football over. I think if they play a clean game, Buffalo's going to have every opportunity to go out there and hang with this team, and it could be a very close game coming down the stretch. I expect it to be a close game down the stretch. Man, these are very, very astute observations, certainly getting back to Brandon Staley uh, and maybe outsmarting himself a little bit in, in a game that really could have cost them the division, and Kansas City could have been on the road for this game this weekend if that decision was flipped. Hey, Bob, enjoy the game. It's, yeah. it's going to be a great one. Can I, cannot wait to watch. It feels like the the AFC title game just a week earlier. So we appreciate the time and the information. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank All right, you, there he is, Bob Fesco of 610. Uh, Fesco in the morning, 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City. When we come back, talking more college basketball. Come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Too early to prepare for the big game. We want to make sure VEASAN is a part of your plans. We're going to be with you throughout the postseason and then on championship weekend. We've got 56 hours of free video coverage on VEASAN.com leading up to our sixth annual live big game BetCast. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now to join the VEASAN betting experts before, during, and after the action on VEASAN. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds right here on the Lombardi line on VEASAN. And Wes, I want to go back to college hoops a little bit for the Tuesday night slate. And I know in Tobacco Road, Mm -hmm. it's not Roy Williams, it's Hubert Davis, year number one. And maybe some people are going, ah, what's going on with Carolina basketball? Well, they are 4-1 ATS in their last five. UNC has played to the over uh, 3-0-1 in their last four as they go down to Miami to take on the Hurricanes here. Miami, by the way, 4-1 and one ATS in their last five. The overs hit 16 of the last 21 home games. So, do you think Hubert and the boys run out a little bit down there in Miami? How do you handicap this one? Well, these are two teams that I think both need kind of a statement win here, an opportunity to get it tonight. By the way, the ACC right now, ranked as the fifth best conference in America. You're saying Whoa. that's, I mean, you're saying, oh, that's not bad, but this is the ACC. They have one team in the top 25, and that's the Duke Blue Devils, who you just mentioned. Uh, you know, Miami right now actually leads the conference in the standings, 5-1. and one. They did go to Cameron and beat Duke. Duke yep. had 15 turnovers in that game, and that was 
a big reason why they lost. But you wonder if this is going to be a high-scoring game. Total has taken a big drop, though. Surprise! This, the, I mean, it probably because it opened high at 158. Yeah. Now seen as low as 153, 153 and a half. This may be something where if it gets down a little lower, I may come back on the over. I know the trends indicate that, but really the matchup, too, because both of these teams really struggle kind of in that pick-and-roll defense, and we know that that's the name of the game in college basketball mm-hmm. is high ball screen and how you defend pick off of pop. that. Both of these teams really struggle, I think, to do so. You wonder now if Miami, though, even though they're still an underdog at home, there's still now expectations. Now there's some eyes on them because this was a team kind of fit, picked to finish like in the middle or maybe like ninth or 10th mm-hmm. or something like that. Maybe at best they could have been a bubble team. Now they look like they would be an NCAA tournament team as of today, but you wonder, I think, in this game is that if is, is this where Miami, is this where kind of like water finds its level a little bit because uh, I just don't know how really good they are. I know Jim Laranaga is an excellent coach. Love and he, coach and he, L. Well, and he and Coach L has had a week to prepare for this game, so you got to think you know the coaching advantage is going to go to him. Hubert Davis, obviously a first-year head coach, even though he was Roy Williams' leech for several years. Carolina, it's not really a guard-driven team. It's really a big-driven team with Armando Bacot, 17.4 a game, 11.2 on the boards. Uh, and then you have Manic, the Oklahoma transfer, Dawson mm-hmm. Garcia, the Marquette transfer. So, you know, this is a potent North Carolina offense, and they can get their points at the rim, and they are an excellent rebounding team, one of the best rebounding teams in the country, simply because they crash the glass and they have really good size. Miami, I'm still kind of trying to figure them out a little bit. The offense is very good. If you look at the adjusted offensive numbers with the Ken Palm or some of the other metrics, 21st right now in the country, they're more of a guard-driven team than a big-driven team like North Carolina. So, Miami can score in bunches, but not necessarily from the perimeter. They try to drive the lane, but you're going to drive into a lot of these big guys. And Miami is not a team that rebounds the ball very well. They are dead last in the conference and rebounds per the game. So that's because they have to be a good shot-making team because they're not a really good rebounding team. Carolina, you know, same with most Roy Williams teams and Hubert obviously being a pupil of Roy Williams. Their defense very hit and miss, and sometimes their defense is non-existent. Uh, I lean North Carolina here as a small road favorite. And if the total keeps getting down lower, maybe another point, point and a half, I would certainly be on the over. I don't think either of these teams can guard each other and pick and roll. You know, Coach L got me to my first Final Four. Because when he was at George Mason, I, we were covering that team, and I got to go to Indianapolis. Yes, uh, for, yes. Uh, for, with George Mason. That was a weird Final Four, too, bizarre. because there were no real number one seeds. I think who, who UCLA, was, LSU, Florida. and Florida. Yeah, there were no number one seeds. So you had a lot of teams, and especially you can get a West Coast team having to come east that, you know, Tickets were readily available for that final four. Is we had what a good time until the game. It didn't end well right. for George Mason. Uh, let's get to Duke. We mentioned Duke a little bit here against Florida State uh, down there in Tallahassee. Now, Florida State coming off a win against my boys uh, up there in the Dome over the weekend. But they are 1-8-1 and ATS in their last 10 games following an ATS win. And here come the Dukies, 6-2 and ATS in their last eight games overall. 4-1 uh, and ATS in their last five following an ATS win. So it sounds like Coach K in his last year 
does a little bit better job in the next game after an ATS win than Leonard Hamilton. What do you make of this matchup? Yeah, this is one I want to wait on an injury news. By the way, this is only Duke's third true road game of the season, just one and one so far. I want to see if Malik Osborne is going to play for Florida State. 11.7 rebounds a game. Didn't play last time out for Florida State in that narrow win over Miami. Had an ankle injury, and Leonard Hamilton is kind of saying they don't think he's going to suit up. We don't know. Duke defensively, and especially from the three-point line has been very good uh, in the ACC tops in terms of three-point defense, 24.4% from distance. But those are kind of things you look at, Dave, where it's like it's a little bit of luck involved with involved really with those things. Uh, so it's kind of – it gets to be what I would say is a little bit unsustainable from that standpoint. So I'm looking to bet Florida State here. I want to see if this number mm. goes up a little bit. Duke's defense has actually been very good, which is surprising enough because Coach Gay has a lot of freshmen playing. Of course, Bonchero and Trevor Keels and the other kid uh, Griffin. Mm -hmm. Usually it takes a year. Kay always says that. It takes a year to really learn how to play defense at this collegiate level no matter what kind of program you came from, from high school or the grassroots slash AAU type of deal. Florida State actually can shoot the ball a little bit. Usually they get it done defensively, but they're 35% from the three, so they're going to get looks, I think, against Duke, even though Duke percentage-wise has been very good on defense. Uh, Duke's transition defense, that's where you can have them a little bit, and that's where Florida State maybe can take advantage. Florida State's going to try to pressure the ball. We talked about when Duke lost to Miami when we were previewing Miami-North Carolina a minute ago, 15 turnovers there, and that's what really lost them the game. I'm going to wait a little bit on this, but I lean Florida State. I want to see how high I can get. Maybe I can get six out of this. All right, let's get out of the ACC. Let's go to the big 12 here for Iowa State taking on Texas Tech. And when I look at some of the trends here in this one, Wes, one that uh, stands out to me is the total. And that the under for ISU is 5-2 and two to the under in their last seven. Texas Tech, you do think defense, right? Under 8-2 and two in their last ten. So first on the total, what do you make of that number? Right now about 129 and a half. And so people are going to go, oh, it's a low total. I like to bet the over, but the trends favor the under. Well, gosh, man, Texas Tech, they don't allow you to score in the middle. They right. are absolutely a nightmare to score against. Now, I do have a play more on the side here, and I do like laying the number with Texas Tech because I think they're wanting to get at Iowa State. Very short turnaround because Iowa State got them in Ames at the Hilton Coliseum a couple weeks ago as a 19-6 to start. Texas Tech. That was one of those bad beats, those famous bad beats you see in college basketball. They hit a three, and the radio guy was even mentioning the spread. So that tells you that sports <laughs> betting uh, now becoming uh, uh, more mainstream, at least in the media. Texas Tech did look bad against Kansas State because I think they were just out of gas because they had just beaten Kansas. They beat Baylor in Waco. Baylor was undefeated, number one at the time. And Texas Tech just didn't look right from the get-go. And that was an absolute home run spot on Saturday for Kansas State. Hope everybody got aboard on that. And K-State wins in the Octagon of Doom over Texas Tech. Uh, McCuller and Terrence Shannon did not play in the first game for Texas Tech against Iowa State. They will have them available tonight. Uh, you know, T.J. Otzelberger, the former UNLV coach back mm -hmm. at Iowa State, has really kind of turned them around in a, in a short variety or really a short uh, space and time. A little concerned how Iowa State's going to score here in the half court. I mean, you're not going to have Gabe Kausher, the Minnesota transfer, hitting six threes every game. 
<laughs> I got to think the perimeter rotations are going to be better. And that's why Texas Tech lost at Kansas State, because I think that defense was just gassed out and they weren't rotating on the perimeter. They'll be rotating tonight. I know that this looks like a big number when you got two ranked teams right there, 15 and 18, but I'm going to lay it here with the Red Raiders. How is Octagon of Doom not? copyrighted by like MMA fighter like it's a, for a basketball they, court. I, I don't know if that was just like a Bob Huggins thing it's though awesome. because that's what it was called back at K-State when Huggy Bear got it rolling there in Manhattan the octagon of doom they played a lot of defense back then Tennessee and Vandy in the SEC Tennessee 5-1 and one ATS in their last six games following an ATS loss we know they're coming off a bad loss against Kentucky over the weekend the under is 8-3 in their last 11 conversely Vandy here 5-2 and two ATS in their last seven games overall the over uh, playing well for them, 4-1 and one in the last five. What do you make of this matchup? Yeah, Tennessee, very good defensively, obviously. They are number five in adjusted defensive edges efficiency per Ken Palm, but I kind of like the over here. Uh, uh, Tennessee did just give up 107, though, in Rupp Arena, yeah. so you got to think Rick Barnes is not going to be happy about that defensive effort, but you know, Vanderbilt, Jerry Stackhouse has improved this team. They're 10-6, and six, they're 2-2 two and two so far in the SEC, did win in Fayetteville against Arkansas here in the opening week of January. I lean a little bit to the over here in this spot. All right, so that's the uh, Tuesday night slate here for college basketball. Some good insights there from Wes Reynolds. Wes, when we come back, it's going to be just for people that like points or root for time to pass. We're just talking strictly over-unders when we get to the four games this weekend in the NFL. Come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Just the final score with One Game Parlay at BetMGM. One Game Parlay is an exciting feature designed to help you make your selections within a single game for over 400 bet types, including team and player props. Log into your BetMGM account to start and create your best parlay before the game ever starts. New to BetMGM, we'll sign up today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000 with a bonus code VSIN1000. You can place One Game Parlay bets on football, basketball, and much, much more. Plus, you're going to earn M-Life rewards that you can redeem for room nights and dining at any MGM resort nationwide. 
Try one game parlay today. Eligibility restrictions to apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada and Mississippi. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. This is the Lombardi Line. And Wes, for the remainder of this show, this is for totals only. Okay? So I feel like we always break down the sides, and I think you do an excellent job of that. But what about those players that want to bet for either points or the passages of time? Because that's what you do when you bet for the under here. You just want time to go. I was on three totals last week, and I hit them all. I had the under in Cincinnati. That came through. Tampa Bay, we held on. It got that under. And I got the over in the Chiefs and the Steelers game. So let's look at the four games this weekend, and I want you to help me break these down. Let's start off with the Titans and the Bengals here. Right now, we've seen some money go to the over of 47 now, up on that. That feels a little bit high to me. Wes, what do you make of that total of 47? Yeah, and it may go up a little, and I would be leaning to the under actually as well, simply because you look at the Bengals, uh, uh, really what they've been doing in terms of their play calling, they've probably been running it a little bit too much. Like some teams were saying, run the ball more, run the ball more. They may need to run the ball less and let Joe Burrow kind of do, do what he do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's throw the football down the field and find Jamar Chase for big plays. But I feel like Zach Taylor has been maybe a little bit conservative in terms of the play calling. So want to see if they will do that against Tennessee. We know what Tennessee, when they're at their best, they're running the ball. They're a team that needs to run the ball more too. And then that opens up the play action down the field to Julio and Jones and AJ Brown and the like Uh, Tennessee got to think that they're getting healthy here. This is where home field perhaps could matter because Cincinnati on the road, not as good. Uh, uh, Tennessee, obviously much better at home, even though haven't always been the best home favorite necessarily for Mike Vrabel, but you got a young team unproven on the road. They may get rattled a little bit early. So sometimes you got to, when you're handicapping these totals, you got to go with the game flow in terms of how it's going to be. Do you think that Cincinnati is going to be able to fall behind immediately and then, you know, kind of have their hand force where they're going to have to throw the ball where they're not running the ball? Because I think you got to think that they want to keep the same game plan that they've been doing because they've been winning, even though they've probably been running the ball a little bit too much. And, you know, not relying maybe enough on Joe Burrow necessarily. So I think it's all going to depend a little bit on how Cincinnati comes out. If they get behind immediately, you know, they go down 10, nothing, they go down 14, uh, nothing early. Mm. Then they're not going to be able to run the ball at all. Then they're going to have to throw the ball. So I do at least at first glance, and keep in mind, I have not bet any of these yet. It's still doing some work. Just nothing really jumped out at me from a total standpoint. I'll probably be on something, but I do lean under here. We are seeing, I think a couple 47 and a halves at the market. Bet MGM's the market low right now at 46 and a half. So would lean to the under. I just want to see if it's going to go up right there with you. That's the same handicap I see. And also one thing that I, I think you should take and evaluate if you're going to bet totals here is the field goal kicker. And I think Cincinnati, you saw a play out last week against the Raiders. They really trust their rookie kicker. Uh, McPherson out of Florida, right? They really trust this kid. And so a lot of times they're not ultra aggressive 
when they get to fourth down in the red zone, and they'll settle for field goals. And in a, what we expect to be a low-possession game and a low point or potentially uh, not a lot of touchdowns scored, certainly by Tennessee, you don't think of it as an explosive offense, I think you'll see the Cincinnati Bengals, like against the Raiders, settle for more field goals sometimes instead of getting uber-aggressive. Well, so that, that does play that into That game, it. by the way, and we were both on that under, that game had like and, – and that's why I came back for the second half under, even though I lost the first half under, so went 2-1 and one on the game. Game, but that game, I think, had like eight field goals. Yes. You had a lot of settling for field goals. Mm-hmm. And, and in the playoffs, we did kind of see that a little bit. That San, Francisco, that San Francisco-Dallas game. Kyle Shanahan, when they were up 10 nothing, fourth and one, you know, not quite the kill shot, but really could have put oh, Dallas absolutely. in jail with very little chance of parole if he went for <laughs> it and go up 17 nothing Instead, 13 nothing left Dallas in the game. Mike McCarthy, though, of course, with 12 minutes left to go right after we got off the air for the green zone when it was 23 to 7, 12 minutes ago, and he kicked the field goal. It's like, yeah. okay, what are you doing? But it almost worked out for him. And that's the thing. I was like, I don't want this to work out for him because it's going to be a bad decision. <laughs> because it's a bad decision, Correct. I think, at 23 to 7. Because it's not in the like, fourth quarter. Well, it wasn't like you were kicking a chip shot either. No. You were kicking a, like a 50 plus yarder. It was the same thing last night where it was a 31 8. I know it was like fourth and forever. But and, 20. Yeah, yep. I, so I understand, but it's like you kick the field goal, but then you kick it deep, and then you don't get the football back until like three minutes left to go. It's like if you're going to kick it, you have to onside kick it, and Cliff Kingsbury elected not to. And both those games, by the way, the Cowboys game and the Cardinals game, both those totals stayed under. So mm-hmm. we bring this up for that reason that maybe Cincinnati, they got a little bit conservative a little bit at times against the Raiders, and it did play ultimately to an under script. What about the Niners against the Packers here? And right now we're seeing about 47 and a half on that total in particular. And again, Robbie Gold is a guy that you trust, certainly. And that's why Kyle Shanahan opted for the field goals. Mm -hmm. And Robbie Gold came through in the clutch there. Crosby may be a different Meanwhile, situation. Meanwhile, Mason Crosby, maybe not so much anymore. I know he made the game winner against the 49ers back in week three out there in Santa Clara, but we've seen Mason miss a lot of kicks this year where you're starting to kind of see. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the final year or two at the Colts with Vinny. Oh, Adam yeah. Vinatieri, where it was like, it was starting you to know go. what? I don't know if Vinny's got it anymore. He's a Hall of Famer and, and one of my favorite players, one of my favorite guys all time with the Indianapolis Colts, but Father Time's undefeated, and he's starting missing a lot of easier kicks. Now you got to factor in weather at Lambeau Field on a Saturday night, too. We know it's going to be cold. Sometimes that football gets to be like a rock. What do you make of that total right now where it stands? Would you lean to the over or the under? I do think it's probably going to go up just from like a matchup standpoint because the 49ers we know can run the ball on Green Bay. And we know Green Bay, Rodgers should be able to get shots down the field for the numbers I mentioned earlier. San Francisco giving up over 88 yards a game to the opposing team's number one receiver. In that case, for Green Bay, it would be Devontae Adams. So, you know, it really depends on what you like with the game flow here. Do you think the 49ers are going to be able to hold the football and run the ball on Green Bay? And I do, and that's why I like the six right now. And by the way, I want to take a brief detour from our all totals discussion. Starting to see a couple sixes disappear now in the market. So we are starting to see some five and a half. So I don't know if people are listening, (laughs) if uh, Will Hill and Wes Reynolds are taking betters listening to Vison to their uh, deaths on uh, Saturday night here. But do like the 49ers plus six. Uh, I do think that this, because it's a primetime game, probably could go up to 48. I think right behind us here at the South Point, they're the market high at 48. So I think you'll see some 48, 48 and a half, and then maybe look to come back on the under here because – 
if you think if you like the 49ers, I think you're more leaning on an under game. And if you like Green Bay, you're leading on more of an over game. Yeah. And I, I look at the next game here with the Buccaneers and the Rams with a high total, at least appears high, about 48 and a half, 49 we're seeing here. But I do like the over at first glance, uh, like we discussed a little bit earlier here in the Lombardi line, because I just feel like running the ball, it might not be in vogue. Uh, down there in Tampa. We expect good weather there on a Sunday afternoon. It feels like to me, Wes, it's going to be one of those games where it's Brady against Stafford. Yeah, I could certainly see that. And this was 34-24 back in week three, so it did go over. Heavy passing game. Rams were 10 of 15 on third downs. Bucks were never really in it, even though it seems like a competitive game on the final score, but they got a late garbage touchdown, but it was all Rams. That was a big statement game for them. Uh, Tampa Bay finished number one, best offense in the NFL for per football outsiders DVOA. Second on first downs, third on second downs, first on late downs. Brady led the league in passing yards and touchdowns, and they were also a top five rushing attack. And they were able to run the ball at least somewhat well against Philadelphia on Sunday even with uh, Keyshawn Vaughn and Giovanni Bernard. We know their first two running backs, Fournette and Jones, did not play. So they were still able to run the ball relatively efficiently. So I can kind of see where you're going here with the over. I don't know if I'm going to bet it, but that'd be where I'd be leaning. Last game of the board is the highest total on the board for the entire weekend, and you can understand that. That's Kansas City against Buffalo. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, we don't know if he's going to be able to go, and even when he goes, they don't seem to run the ball very well for Kansas City. Buffalo has been running challenge most of the year, but they have gotten it going, uh, going a little bit here as of late, but I still think at the end, it's Allen and Mahomes. This feels like an offensive fireworks yeah. show. If you looked at, at, at the trends, NFL playoff unders that closed above 54, and we're currently above 54 at 55, are 8-1 and the last 20 years, and they've gone under pretty easily by an average of 13.7 points but what was the lone exception that one game that went over it was bill's chiefs last year uh that that went over the total so very hard to bet under i would lean that way but maybe it's just going to be a lean at this standpoint yeah for me right now the leans are saturday unders sunday overs that's the way i see it so far on the board west always enjoy the conversation my friend to be with you thanks as always uh got got you covered the rest of the day right here on these and the sports betting network at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.